Precious Holy Spirit, we come asking for your help. Without you, without you, we are nothing. As we go into your word, without your help, we are wanderers. Without you, at best, we are scholars. But the circumstances and the challenges of life do not respond to scholastic excellence. They respond to power. They respond to light. We have come to see light from your word. Let Jesus be unveiled. Let truth break forth in our hearts. We give you the praise. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. All right. We started the conversation two parts away now. In the last two weeks, we started the conversation on the kingdom. On the kingdom. And unlike other series, in this one, we used the first two parts to lay the bricks, to build the foundation. That is to give you an idea that the building we're about to start constructing is going to be very tall. It's going to be a mighty skyscraper. Now, why did we take that much time in building the foundation? Hmm. If, I'm looking at the best example to give, but the one I feel may drive home the point best is, imagine an education consulting firm that represents universities in Canada, universities in the UK, universities in Australia, universities in the United States, and they take all these amazing brochures and video clips, all right, and take them to students in a remote village, somewhere, somewhere, all right, everybody always says Africa, but Africa is not the only place that has remote villages. Let's say some, some areas of the world that they do not have that much exposure to, to that high equality, all right, of education. And the students are watching. They are seeing professors. They are seeing large libraries. They are seeing computers. In, maybe in the schools they graduated from, there was just one big desktop in the entire school, and they are seeing a library of thousands of computers. They are seeing students smiling and talking to lecturers, and they are wondering, you mean you can actually ask your teacher, smiling, and they are reading testimonials, and people referring to their profs in first name. John was very helpful, and they are like mind blown that what is this world you are painting? And the educational consultant is there and saying, if you can get these grades, if you can allow us guide you, not only will you be reading about this thing, the next set of brochures we will bring to the future students, your picture can be there. You can be a student in that same institution. And the person says, me? I will travel abroad? I will get on a plane? I will study in this library? Where the lights don't go off and mosquitoes don't bite. Glory to God. That's why we took our time to build on part one. What is the kingdom? Part two, how do you enter in? Because what we are going to get into from this evening going forward, it's going to be almost too good to be true. And many will just watch it as though on a movie if they don't remind themselves that this is not just for me to see and to know. This is for me to enter in and to experience. And I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that your life will be proof that the kingdom life is not just possible, but it is real. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hmm. Please buckle up, buckle up, put on your seat belts. We are going on an amazing ride this evening. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, Christ the King, shall reign forever and ever. Glory to God. Boy, 
pushing back the temptation to begin to, to go into this. But please, I want to encourage you, if you are joining us for the first time, stay hooked to God's word. You will be blessed. You will do well to revisit part one. To revisit part two. It says there is an announcement of how the score ends. Of how the game ends. Today, as at today, as at today, right now, it looks as though the kingdoms of our Lord are at a disadvantage. We look clueless. To a large extent, disenfranchised and confused and disunited, pardon my French, ununited, disunitized. You get the point. But the final score is that something happens to us along the way. And that something is that God successfully raises his giants. God successfully raises his armies. The same people, the same generation that the enemy has written out on. And they're saying, are these the ones God will use? These ones? And God is saying, hold my coffee. These are the guys that I will use to, <laughs> to secure and to fulfill prophecy. That at the end, the final pronouncement is that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And Christ, our King, shall reign forever and ever. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So in part one, we learned that the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. It existed before time. It will exist when time is done. We said that the priority of every serious kingdom is extension and establishment. And that to achieve that, such kingdoms will deploy communication, language, media. If at all it will pass the test of being called a kingdom, there must be land, territory involved. If there will be subduing, there must be use of technology. And we went to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generations of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Hmm. Last week in part two, we said, for you and I to enter the kingdom of God, and we defined the kingdom in part one, we defined the kingdom of God in part two. Today, we will define the kingdom of heaven, and then we'll dive straight into it. We said, anyone who will see the kingdom of God must have the experience of salvation, being born again. Anyone who will enter in, who will participate in, who will experience the fullness of that life must experience a washing by the word. Not a sprinkling, it's a washing. The whole idea of washing there talks about mind renewal. A mind washing that your thoughts are now kingdom thoughts. And that that is only possible by an administrator. So it's the ministry of the word and the ministry of the spirit. It's, it's like an colonialism agenda. That now that we've secured the territory, we must reproduce the culture of our king amongst these people. There is a policy document and there is a governor general hmm, that will administer the will of the king and will see to it that the culture of the king, the will of the king, the rule of the king, the dominion of the king is established in that territory. Somebody say glory to God. So, we defined the kingdom as a territorial unit where there is the absolute rule of a sovereign, the king, and that king's word is law. It's not a democracy. It's not a consensus government. <laughs> it's not a rule of discussion. It is a kingdom. And in our world, as we know it today, we do not have examples of absolute kingdoms. We have residues of kingdoms. And then we defined the kingdom of God as that territorial unit where in time there is the absolute rule of God as king. 
he reigned supreme in that territorial unit, that spiritual space, and his word is law. There's absolute worship there. And we said that, that the name of that place, all right, is called heaven. Follow me? So the place where you have the kingdom of God fully established is in heaven. His throne is established there. His worship is the obsession there. Day and night, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The hierarchy is there. The, 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 the entire system, remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He established this type A, pardon, just flow together, this type A establishment as a model for the type B establishment. That there is a place where his absolute rule already exists. And that place is called heaven. So what then is the kingdom of heaven? Hmm. The kingdom of heaven, of course, is that territorial unit. This time in the earth, where the rule of heaven is absolute. And the law of heaven is the law on earth. What I just described now will resonate with many in prophecy. And for those of you who joined us in the series we did first principles, we talked about eternal judgment and we ran through the dispensations of time, the period of the law, the period of the prophets, the dark ages, the coming of Christ, the death of Christ, the brokering of the new covenant, the age of the church and the dispensation of grace. And we said the next event is the rapture, the taking away of believers to be caught away with Christ in disguise to the judgment seat of Christ and the beginning of the tribulation. A period of seven years, three and a half, and three and a half. And then the second coming of Christ. And there will be a time where there will be an absolute kingdom rule. That thousand years, that thousand years is, is a period where heaven's rule is 100% absolute. Every knee will bow. You know that, that, <laughs> that revelation is prophetic. It's not just a song. Every knee will bow. That is, that's what you call rule. Whether you like it or not, a time is coming where every knee, the beauty of the project kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, is that it will be voluntary, which is how the kingdom can be established in your life, in my life, right on earth today, the kingdom of God. But the dispensation when it is the kingdom of heaven is an absolute rule. There is no volition there. There is no I choose to worship. <laughs> but the kingdom is here. He is our Lord today. Our knees bow today. We worship him today. His kingdom is already established in our hearts today. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said miracles are normal here. Somebody say glory to God. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, I will read from verse 14 to 17. Our assignment this evening is to look at Abraham. Remember, Matthew presenting Jesus Christ, the king, to us. Said, this is a book about Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we'll pick up from Abraham. Many do not look at Father Abraham and think kingdom. But that by the spirit of God, light will dawn and we will see big lessons about establishing the kingdom of God in our lives and in our spheres in the earth today. Somebody say glory to God. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14 to verse 17. Paul speaking says, For this cause... I bow my knees. You can see this is the kingdom of God. It's voluntary. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
It says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Paul, by revelation, instructs us that there is a family in heaven. There is a family on earth. The common name, the common thread. Remember, you see by being born again into that family. It says that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, the riches of his kingdom, the eternal kingdom, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, telling you that this is a spiritual kingdom. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Boy, isn't the word of God so complete? It says that you being rooted and grounded in love. And then he goes on in verse 18 to comprehend, begins to give you dimensions of a non-physical entity. The word of God is rich. I said the word of God is rich. In the brevity of the time we have left, we are going to unveil Abraham and the kingdom. Abraham and the kingdom. Please, if you are taking notes, you want to note every scripture. Every scripture we refer to this evening. Abraham and the kingdom. The first introduction we see to the kingdom life in the character referred to as Abraham, if you are writing, is as father. Meaning that God is suggesting to us that his own kingdom is a kingdom where you are being invited to be a part of that kingdom, not as a refugee, hear me, not as a peasant, not as a naturalized citizen, but by coming into this family, you become born into a royal family. The, the word of God will rattle you this evening. And there are some things you will, no longer, you will no longer accept. Now that you know, you will no longer accept. All right. Many of us may or may not be familiar with the British monarchy, the royal family. Many don't even know that they are not originally Brits. All right, but conversation for another day. They came from, from a country settled in England and became the royal family. All right. And some, I just want to Google what I just said to be like, huh? PD, are you kidding us? I kiddest thou not. <laughs> Glory to God. But as we have it, that is the royal family today. Now, I am not a British citizen, even though I am a citizen of two countries <laughs> that were colonized by the British. So I belong to that commonwealth. Imagine that there is an avenue to become a British citizen. All right? I get rights of that kingdom, but it doesn't make me heir to the inheritance of the royal family. At best, at best, the, the whole idea is if you've not been born into this family, you have no claim. In fact, there is, there is the concept of a pure, pure breed, royal blood. And here things like marrying outside. Abraham's life points to us that God's concept for his kingdom is that you don't just, you, 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 it's not like visa lottery. You are not carrying a visitor's visa in his kingdom. You are not even just a casual citizen. He's saying that the whole idea, remember, by whose name all the families in heaven and on earth are named. The whole idea is that you and I have been invited to be part of this kingdom where we are not peasants, where we are not subjects. In fact, he doesn't even call us princes. He calls us kings because we have been invited to become a part of the royal family. Now, look at how much you have tolerated around you. Royalty won't take that. By the time we are done this evening, something will spark on your inside. And you'll say, look at what I've taken for so long. Did I forget who I am? Did I forget who I am? I remember pictures, videos of royal visits, a royal highness, the queen, or the prince, any member of the royal family, huge motorcades, heavy security. 
And you see peasants and masses with absolute due respect just waving and waving and waving and shouting and chanting and waving flags. Oh, the royal, the royal. And in the wildest imaginations of these people, it's like such special. It's blood flowing in their veins. One day, they also we eat the stop clock and we'll face Jamaica to give account. It's royalty that doesn't really count. There's a real royalty that counts and that's the invitation upon you and I's lives. A call to be a part of the real, true, eternal, royal family. Boy, oh boy. So the first thing we unveil in the life of Abraham is the family construct. Abraham as father. God as king, father of son kings. Did somebody get that? God as king, father of son kings. You've been invited not just to naturalize. You've been invited to be a part of a royal family. I'm a king. <laughs> I'm a king. I'm a king. And I choose to worship my king. I am a king. This is not gender-based. Now you can say it where you are. I am a king. In fact, I think we might just begin to say this. There are kingdom institutions that God established. One of them is family. Another one is marriage. Another one is government. Remember, we said in the kingdom, there is no such thing as disobedience. When you say no to the rule of the king, it ain't disobedience, it's rebellion. And we see that the strategic onslaught and rebellion of the kingdoms of the world, it's, it's, it's nuclear target to family, marriage, and governance. Number one, we unveil Abraham. The institutional construct of fatherhood and family. Number two, the king-prophet duality. And number three, faith. The technology of the kingdom. Hmm. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country. And from your kindred, your people, and from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you, that I will reveal to you. It says, and I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Anyone who blesses you, I will bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What a covenant. Verse 4, Abraham's response. So, Abram, Abram, his name had not been changed yet. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. <laughs> and Lot went with him. He says he was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Aaron. Hmm. Big lessons there, but let's stay on focus. We can see the concept of one being called out. One being called out. God said, I want to start a new family, a kingdom family. To model it on the earth, I want to start with you, Abraham. There is a family you currently belong to, I'm calling you out of it. There is a culture you already know, I'm calling you out of it. There is a system of worship you already know. I'm calling you out of it. I want to start a new movement with you. My kingdom was established in perfection in heaven. It seeks to expand in the earth. Our first project failed. But with you, we are starting a new project. In you and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's saying, Abraham, I am creating with you a construct that brings people into my own family. Ultimately, through Christ. So what does it mean for us as far as the kingdom is concerned? The first time the word church is mentioned in scriptures is Matthew chapter 16. Jesus speaking says, I will build my ecclesia, the called out ones. 
The same way Abraham was called out to, 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 as the pioneer of a new move, a new kingdom, you and I have been called out. In fact, the word ecclesia is a political word. I found a definition that says ecclesia is the political assembly of citizens. God's church, in its full capacity as a kingdom force, really is a legislative force in the earth to enforce the will of the kingdom of God on the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Ecclesia means called out. Come out from your father's house. Come out from your kindred. Come out from your culture. Come out from the past. Come out from the chains. I am starting something new with you. I am saying, how can you start something new with me? Don't you know who I was? He says, this is it. You are being born anew. He said, okay, that's great. Will you give me a passport? So what do you mean by passport? Just, just change this, this current passport I have. Anyone will do. He says, you don't get it. You are now a part of a royal family. All of the resources of this kingdom are now at your back and call. The kingdom family. We are called out and we are well instructed. We are well instructed. We feed on instruction, not suggestion. Was it not God that said, look at Abraham. Look at Abraham, my friend. I know that he will be a great and mighty nation. I know that he will command his children and his household. After him, they will keep the way of the law. They will keep, the, they will keep it. Doesn't it sound to you like Psalms 32 verse 8? In this kingdom, we are instructed. We are not advised. In this kingdom, we are instructed, not advised. This is the way. This is the way. Psalms chapter 32 verse 8. Boy, oh boy, where did the time go? It says, I will instruct thee, I will teach you. I will guide you with mine eye. <laughs> it says, don't be as the horse or as the mule. Let me read that in the NLT. It says, do not be a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. The, uh, the, the, the construct in this kingdom is that we are instructed. We see that in the life of Abraham. We know he will instruct his children. And his household after him, that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Glory to God. So the, the institutional construct of family, a family that is called out and a family that is instructed, we see that in the life of Abraham. It gets better. The second kingdom emphasis we see in the life of Abraham is the king-prophet duality. You know the average Jew bragged so much about Abraham, so much that you would think they will know him. Which is why I'm imagining Jesus having a conversation with these, with these Jews and these scholars and these Pharisees and these Sadducees. I mean, look at, look at what we read on Sunday in John chapter 8. It says, you will believe in me. You will read my word. You will continue in my word. It says, you will know the truth and you will be free indeed. It's all you mean free indeed. We are Abraham's seed. We don't know bondage. These are people that their ancestors were slaves in Egypt. Taking captives in Babylon. Taking captives in Assyria. In fact, as at the time Jesus was having that conversation, the entire Judean region was under Roman rule. We are Abraham's seed. Do you, do you even know Father Abraham? You know, another time Jesus was having a conversation with them. And he said, before Abraham, <laughs> you cannot imagine how blasphemous it sounded to their ears. Father Abraham, <laughs> not knowing that Abraham was chosen as a pioneer of the kingdom that will be fulfilled in and through the Messiah Christ, the king that reigns forever. Somebody say glory to God. So there's the construct of a family that is called out, a family that is instructed, and there's the construct of a king prophet. They didn't even reckon, if you ask them, who is Abraham? He's our father. He's our father of faith. Okay, what else? is our father. He's our father of faith. What else? is our father. God blessed him. 
the king-prophet duality. Uh, I don't want to stretch your scientific knowledge too much, but if you've ever been in a science class, you will have heard the gist about light. Some of the most brilliant people in the world have argued on light, light, light wave, light wave, all right? Some brilliant minds have come with evidence to say that it is a wave, and it passed all the tests that waves must pass. Some extremely brilliant minds have come and said, light, light, photons, the energy, it's particles, particles. And some brilliant, extremely intelligent minds have given us proof and scientific evidence that it is a particle. So the last I was taught, someone, I stand to be corrected, maybe some particle physicist or some, you know, um, um, what do they call them now? Quantum, quantum physicists or scientists is watching now. I say, no, and pastor, we need to update you on the latest findings. Please do. But the last I checked, the conclusion was that light is a wave particle duality. <laughs> Just reminds me of scripture. You know, the king prophet dynamics in the original script was not designed to be separated. Let's go into God's word. Very few, if I ask you today, name 10 prophets from the Bible. I'm sure you start with Isaiah or Elijah, Moses. Very few will start with Abraham. And that's a pointer that God's kings and prophets in this kingdom, they don't bear the title, but they, they, but they fulfill the office. Hmm. Somebody is getting stretched this evening. They don't necessarily bear the title. Abraham never went anywhere announcing, I am prophet Abi. I am prophet Abi. He didn't need the only time that designation came. It was an announcement from heaven. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. It says, now therefore, Abraham had traveled. The Bible says he went south to Gerah. He had taken his beautiful wife, Sarah, who in her old age was still looking sweet 16. And Abraham said, there will be a problem here. Please, just tell these folks that you are my sister. She said, no, no worries. I got you. I got you, Abi. I got you. <laughs> and, he, and true to his prophecy, the king spotted. I don't know if it was the king or people <laughs> that watched out for the king and said, the MBG, most beautiful girl, has just landed. He said, get her here. Who, who is she to you? Sister. Okay. So Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Now, therefore, this was a warning in the night to Abimelech. It says, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. This is the first time the word prophet is used in scriptures to describe Father Abraham. Not a title he had given himself, but a designation that everyone had pronounced on him. As an instruction to you and I that we will be the families blessed in him. That we may not need the title, but that office is there for us to proclaim words of power, not in a separate office, but as kings that we've been called to be. It says, and if you restore not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, and all that are in your house, your entire household. I love verse 8. It says, Abimelech rose early in the morning. He called the entire clan, told them every, it says they were greatly afraid. And he fixed up immediately. What a man of authority in the spirit realm. Abraham and his wife, <laughs> that were still trusting God for the fruit of the womb. He got his wife back. He says he prayed for them. And God opened up. There was, there was a rain of fruitfulness in Abimelech's household. You might not look at Abi and think he's a prophet. God reckoned him as one. Could it be that in this king kingdom you've been called to, remember, not as a peasant, not as a casual citizen, but as a citizen who is a part of the royal family, could it be that your kingly package involves the prophetic? That you also can speak words of life and words of power? That you can decree the counsel of the king and see it established? Second question. Was Abraham a king? P.D., what are you teaching us? 
Was Abraham a king? And I'm praying that the Spirit of God will open your eyes to see that there are those who will carry the titles, but there are those who will deliver the results. There are those who will carry the titles, and there are those who will deliver the results. Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14 tells us, in fact, there were how many kings mentioned? Seven kings. Seven kings, if I counted right. Of the seven, king was not used for Abraham. But there was only one person that left that place with victory. Now answer me, who is the real king? Who is the real king? Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. When, Ab- when Abram, it was still Abram, yeah, heard that his brother was taken captive by brother there, means his, we, we all know that Lot was his brother's son. He said, he says he armed his trained servants born in his own house, one man, but a king, a prophet unto God. 318 and pursued them unto Dan. He says, and he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night. And he smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. Abraham recovered all. <laughs> See, this is sounding like the character we are studying next week, David. The same way David went and after a band and he recovered all. This time, Abraham didn't bear the name king. He says he brought back again his brother Lot and his goods, their wives, the women, their sisters, their daughters, and the people. He says, I'm reading verse 8. I just read verse 16. I want to read verse 8 to, sh- to show you the number of times king was mentioned, not once for Abraham. And there went out the king of Sodom, king of Gomorrah, king of Adma, king of Zeboim, king of Bela. How many kings? Five kings. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Sidim against the king that they revolted, the kings that they revolted against. Seven kings mentioned in a passage. Abraham is mentioned by first name. Push comes to shove. There is a battle in slippery slopes, in funny grounds, but somebody arises in the fullness of power and says, I represent a kingdom here. I know you didn't call me king. I know I don't have the title. I know I don't have the tag, but I have the results. I bear the authority. I can show up and live with victory. I can show up recovering all. Hear me, child of God? There is a call to kingdom living upon your life. You don't need a title. We don't need to call you pastor. We don't need to call you prophet. We don't need to call you apostle. There is a grace upon your life for royalty and for legislation. You've been called out, Ecclesia. You've been instructed and been instructed by the word. You've been invited to participate in kingship and in the prophetic. That you can say words and see them established. That you can hear reports of captivity and afflictions and oppressions and bondage. And you can rouse yourself and say, the king is here. The king is here and you can recover all. Am I speaking to those people this evening? This is the life of the kingdom. There is no weak here. There is none feeble here. Somebody say glory to God. Hmm. You know, it was Moses that warned the guys just before his departure and their entry into the promised land. It was Moses that warned them. It says, you have a king over you. You have a God over you. You enjoy prophetic grace over you. But I know you guys, you will ask for a king. And indeed, they ask for a king. In Deuteronomy 17 and verse 14, Moses, the servant of God speaking, it says, when you have come into the land which the Lord your God gives thee, it says, and you shall possess it, and you shall dwell therein. It says, then you will say, I will set a king over me. Is that in your Bible? Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. I will set a king over me. Why? Like as all the nations. The nations that you defeated, the nations that you conquered, Pharaoh, the king, and all of his charioteers that you saw drowned in the sea, who did king help when the true king and the real kingdom has been committed to your hands? Moses said, but I know you guys, that day is coming. And that day really came. In First Samuel chapter 8, the man of God, the prophet Samuel, 
he was operating in that king prophet formation. And one day the people came to him and they said, Samuel, PD thought that the kingdom begins with the construct of a family that is called out and a family that is instructed before he talked about king prophets. He said, Samuel, your family, you have not instructed them well. So therefore, we want a king. <laughs> Let me read it for us. First Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, you are old now. And with apology, we are sorry to say it, great man of God, but your sons have not followed in your footsteps. He says, that family called out, instructed part, it's not here. So, give us a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want to be like the other nations. The nations that you've been called to be superior to, you want to reduce yourself to be like them. It says, let me just read it. It says, this thing displeased Samuel. It broke his heart. When they said, give us a king. So Samuel took his broken heart to God in prayer. And he prayed. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people. That's a dangerous thing to read. Hearken to the voice of the people. You already know what it is about to produce is flesh. <laughs> what it is about to produce is flesh. Boy, I am excited about next week when we begin to unveil the kingdom in the life of King David. The choice of the king. Not the choice of the people. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Come on, say with me. I have been called out. I have been instructed. And the king in me arises. The prophet in me arises. I take my place in destiny. I take my place in the marketplace. I take my place in my family. I take my place in society. And I begin to legislate the will of my king. I am a tool for the establishment of his kingdom in my world. So shall it be. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hmm. I, want to, I, I want to shake you up a bit with two scriptures this evening. Micah chapter 4 and verse 9. Remember, you don't need the title for you to deliver the results. There might be five kings. There might be seven kings. You might not have the designation, but you belong to a royal family where the resources, the, the glory of the riches of this eternal kingdom at your disposal, and you can begin to leverage them. That you can go out and say that this affliction cannot stay here. I am going to raise the people that are the, 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 the men and women that have trained in my house and we can go on a spiritual adventure to reclaim everything that the enemy thought has been taken away you touch the wrong person you touch the wrong family we belong to the kingdom of god here and even though lot is in sodom is in Gomorrah, is connected to us and then you arise in the place of a kingly mantle and you go possess you arise in the in the office of a prophetic mantle and you can speak to abimelech who is meant to be a king and say I, I opened their wombs. At a ministry like KICC, we don't do peasants, we don't do the peasant school of thought where there's a great man of God and they are now the, 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 the people chasing the crumbs. We've been called to the king's way, the way of the king. So we're like, ah, mind blown. <laughs> mind blown. It's the way of the king. It's a living way. Glory to God. There's no peasantry here. There's no beg. There's no please excuse me. Hey, we make decrees here. Micah chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, now why do you cry out aloud? Is there no king in you? Boy, oh boy. Such a scripture. Why are you weeping as though you need help? Why are you weeping as though you need palliatives? Why are you, why are you weeping as though you need senate gathering and, and, and consensus approval? Don't you know the kingdom to which you belong? Is there no king in you? There's nobody there that can get up and issue decrees. There's nobody there. Is there no king in you? Isaiah chapter, it's getting out here. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 22. Isaiah 42 verse 22. It says, but this people is a people robbed and spoiled. 
They have refused to, to, to see the kingdom. They refuse to enter into the kingdom. They've been sold a lie. They've bought a lie. It says they are all of them snared in holes and they are hid in prison houses. It says they are prey and none delivered. No king there for a spoil and none yet restore. There's no prophet there to say restore. There's no prophet there to say I will restore. Restore, restore. Nobody. It says who among you will give here to this? We will hearken and hear for the time to come. And I pray that the kings that will arise for this season are the ones under the sound of my voice. That something will tweak on your inside and you say, boy, I've been waiting for a crown. I've been waiting for a title when I've, I've carried this glory all the while. And you get up, you begin to make decrees. You get up, you begin to issue legislations. You get up and you begin to unleash prophecies. Guess what? There is an integrity of the policy document of the king that backs you up already. Come on, help me. I will arise and I will make decrees. Come on, say it boldly. I will arise. Decrees are not passed to the, the system of government we have today is anti-kingdom. There is no debate. There are no votes. Decrees are decrees. They bear the seal of the sovereign. We can make decrees. It says you shall decree a thing and it shall be established. And I pray that the king in you will arise this evening. Never to sleep again. Never to couch again. Never to hide again. Never to be defeated again. The prophet in you will arise in the name of Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. The institutional construct of a family. A family that is called out. A family that is instructed. The king-prophet duality. That we may not have the titles, but we can deliver the results. The life of the kingdom. And number three. Hmm, boy, oh boy. Remember what we learned. That every kingdom that has advanced on the surface of the earth has leveraged technology. From Genesis 11 rebellion, the technology was brick and mortar. You go study these three books. Every major civilization advancement has been tied to technology. At some point, as primitive as it may sound, it was the invention of glass. Glass. At some point, it was the discovery and invention of steam engines. At some point, it was the building of chariots and using metals for warfare, which is attributed to the Hittites. At some point, it, many, many, many African lands were dominated in the colonial enforcement by a technology called the Maxim gun. There are technologies in the world today that are being prepared for the next advancement. The age of the internet, the age of machine learning, the age of interconnected systems, interballistic missiles, and weapons of warfare never before imagined to mind. Every kingdom advances only to the extent of its technology and the indefeatability of that technology. The next person who invents the next big thing becomes the world's next big power. This kingdom, we have not been left without a technology. <laughs> glory to God remember when Nicodemus came at night he said teacher rabbi rabbi means expert master teacher it means you've clocked authority on a subject matter he said nobody can do these things except God be with him Jesus said Nicodemus are you kidding me do which things these are the normal things in the kingdom Come on, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. You should know these things. This, in this kingdom, this is normal to us. <laughs> Somebody will write this down and light will break forth like never before. Our technology for advancement in this kingdom is faith. Soak it in. I want to leave you this evening with a question. What will you do with your faith? What expansion and establishment will you do with your faith? Abraham called out the generations of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He showed us the model of a family called out and instructed. He showed us the duality of the prophet king force 
showed us that the technology, <laughs> the technology for advancement in this kingdom is faith. It's in the same way you can give a gun to a toddler. You can give a gun to a hunter. You can give a gun to a seal. And you can give a gun to a sniper. Same technology, but in the hands of different people. My question is, what will you do with your faith? Will you use it to get a new phone? Will you use it to build a new house? Or will you use it to subdue kingdoms? The, the same instrument some were using to do under in, in the forest. Some people got on seas and sailed stormy weathers. I'm not justifying what they did. I'm telling you why they had the audacity to do why they did. They knew that you don't have a technology superior to our technology. You have charms, you have beads, but they will bow to our guns. Oh, you killed the bear, you killed the lion, you made some chants and incantations. Congratulations. Chant your chant. Poof. What will you do with this technology of faith that has been entrusted into you, believer? Will you handle it like a boy? Will you handle it like a, like a, like a recreational hunter? Or will you handle it like a skilled marksman? That it will be said of you as it was said in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Woo, true faith subdued kingdoms. Glory to God. Woo, true faith subdued kingdoms. Woo, true faith subdued kingdoms. This is our technology for advancement. Everything we will do in this kingdom, we will do by faith. It's time you and I went for gun lessons, in quotes. It's time we went for faith lessons. And we begin to understand the in and out thoroughly. There's SEAL training. There's Navy training. <laughs> there's Boy Scout training. There is, uh, what's the, paintball training. And there's training for snipers. Men and women of stature that can stand at a watchtower and leverage the technology of faith and watch kingdoms turn around. Hmm. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, tells us, through faith, we understand that the worlds, the dispensations, the combinations of seasons were framed by the rema of God. <sighs> by the rema of God. So that things which are seen, existences in this earth, it says we are not made of things which do appear. It says, believer, hear me, child of God. What will you do with this anointing you carry? What will you do with this grace that is upon your life? What will you do with this faith that has been entrusted into you? What will you do with it? What kingdoms will you subdue? Can you, can you start from where you are? Where will you advance to? It says in verse 8, just picking a few verses as we round up this evening. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out. He took action, not knowing where he was going. It says he sojourned in the land by faith, in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Why? He looked for a city which had foundations, the only real city. <laughs> the folks at Babel said, we've discovered brick and mortar. And Abraham is showing us what is brick and mortar, what can be bulldozed. And the world today is talking of new technologies. And they are making a mockery of God and his children. And God is saying, do you know what faith has produced? Do you know the worlds were called into being by words? What will you use his words? By the, it says the worlds are framed by the rema of God. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, wherever you are, just lift your hands and say, thank you, Father, my King, if you just gave me a visa <laughs> to be a part of your kingdom, it's good enough. You said no. I've not just been called to be a part. I've been called to be a citizen. If that's where you stop, that's enough. You said no, I am your son. I am a part of a real family. The wealth of the kingdom is your wealth. The resources of the kingdom are your resources. The abilities of the kingdom are your abilities. The possibilities of the kingdom are your possibilities. The resources, the glory of this kingdom is your glory. Ah, 
and we have bought this lie, this ignorance, and we've lived as peasants for so long. Enough has come. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Today, your children arise in the fullness of your glory to begin to represent you appropriately. That the kings in us will arise. The prophets in us will arise. We will see captivity around us and we will roar, roar, we will roar and go take possession and recover all. There will be a truly called out family and instructed people functioning as kings and prophets, leveraging the technology of faith, creating and framing and recreating worlds by the rema of God. Seeing the sick walk again. Seeing the lame experience miracles. Miracles as normal experiences. Not just for a select few, but as a kingdom normalcy. Thank you, gracious Father. This is our, this is our default. This is our normal level. The supernatural is my natural experience. The extraordinary is my ordinary experience. Come on, come on, come on. Anybody's faith stretching out. I live in that realm. I live in that realm. This is default to me. Glory be unto your name. Be thou exalted. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. To pray for two categories of persons this evening. We will always, always have this moment in every service. This is how it begins. You being born again into that family. You being born again into that family. By saying yes to Jesus. The plan is not just for Abraham to have this great spiritual reputation. The whole idea was for the families of the earth to be blessed in him. God had you in mind when he sent Jesus. God had you in mind when Jesus was on that cross. When he was nailed and he took all of that shame. He was naked on that cross. He was brutalized and vandalized. The one who knew no sin, he became sin for this very moment. That's you through his sacrifice will be reckoned the righteousness of God you are saying but I heard this thing is just for good people no it came for you so that it can make you good so that it can make you righteous it can take away your sins it can welcome you into his family and Christ in you coronate you as royalty on day one fill you with his spirit the administrator of his kingdom and expose you to his word, his truth so you can begin to think his thoughts and walk in his ways. I want to pray with you. Please say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in that grave. Thank you because on the third day you rose again. Come live in me come live through me I say yes to becoming a part of a real family the king in me is awakened the prophet in me is awakened I say goodbye to the kingdom of darkness and I enter in boldly into the kingdom of your dear son thank you father because it is done for in Jesus name we have prayed if you just said that simple prayer congratulations I want to pray with you father thank you for your sons and daughters at the altar this evening making this life changing decision saying yes to the lordship of Jesus I ask father that their names are engraved in the Lamb's book of life and there is a supply of your spirit a multiplication of your grace they will love you and they will serve you forever in the name of Jesus Father, by your spirit, I am led to pray for as many under the sound of my voice that are victims of affliction. Things have been taken away from them. They've been spoiled and they've been robbed. Captivity has, has, has taken siege over them. And they are saying, well, maybe I'm a king, maybe I'm a prophet, but it doesn't look like it. Father, in this moment of weakness, we stand together as one family and we speak over the lives of these ones as kings. We decree that freedom has come. In the name of Jesus, everyone under the sound of my voice who is a victim of captivity of any sort in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls, across patterns, across years, it doesn't matter how long or legitimate it is, there is a superior decree of the king that is not for debate and we decree that the chains are broken and the captives are set free. In the name of Jesus, the word says that my people are robbed, they are spoiled. There is no one crying restore. 
I come by the anointing of the King of glory. And I decree for everyone who has had anything stolen or taken away from them. It's as if the thief be caught. This thief has been caught. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the bringer of life is here, the King of glory. And I speak over your life, restore. I speak over your destiny, restore. I speak over your family, restore. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you can, if you can, wherever you are, jam those hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.